I feel impressed tonight to speak to you about taking inventory as a Christian. That's, a, that's something you need to do. Every good business will take inventory at least once a year. And you as a believer, you need to find out, especially you dads, that are the, you fathers that are the heads of the, your, your home. I hope once in a while you, you find out where you are spiritually. Find out where your wife is spiritually. Find out where your children are spiritually. Take spiritual inventory in your life. Here we're coming to the new year soon. And you know the beginning of the Jewish calendar was the Passover. It was April. And the first day, wouldn't it just be like the devil to have so-called April Fool's Day? By the way, I was doing my reading today, and I, I noticed that they said that October was the seventh month. At least that's what Schofield said in the middle column there. And the seventh month. What happens in October? Halloween, which is totally unchristian. And see, and what, and the, the Passover. In, in April, that's the beginning, that's the right time of the year. That's the time of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we need to take inventory. I, don't, I know we don't work on the Jewish calendar uh, for our year. It doesn't start in April. But uh, you need to check up uh, and find out where you are. What does the Bible say? Watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. Take heed. When you think ye stand, take heed lest ye fall. And then we should be just constantly reminding ourselves about our our walk with the Lord. Oh, my daughter Linda gave me a little book. Uh, She had to get it. It's old. I mean, it's old. She had to pay about $26, $27 for a little book, uh, The Saint's Rest by Richard Baxter written uh, way back during the times of the Puritans. And I'm telling you, that little book, I was put up in the heavenlies just at the introduction. I mean, this man, was, all these men were talking about this Richard Baxter and how such a holy man of God and how God used these books and how he had about 600 in his congregation. And when he went to the town, the town was in terrible condition. Maybe one on the whole, you know, the whole street that would be having family devotions. And when he uh, finished, of his uh, of his six hundred, of his six hundred people in his church, there were only about ten or twelve that he had any doubts that they were even not converted, for they had fruit in their life. And then, of that, uh, when he passed from there. I think he was there 16 years. And at the end of 16 years, they said it was just the opposite. See, there was only one on this long, huge street that would have a family devotion. And they said when he left, there was probably just about one out of one that did not have a, a walk with the Lord, did not have time in the Scriptures. And I'm telling you, when I got through with the introduction, I was sure ready for the book. And one little... One little fellow who died because he wrote this book when he was thinking he was going to die. 
and he was laid up. And so he wrote this about the saints' rest, the saints' everlasting rest. And the whole book is just full of scriptures. He goes from the prodigal son to this. Scripture, scripture. The man walked in the Word. And yet there was a young boy who read that, and he died that year. And the young boy said, you know how young boys can be. When I first read this, it didn't set too good with me because I hadn't read the any of the... I'm, I'm just starting on the book, but I, I just read the introduction. So the little boy said that the book he liked the best was... the. In, in all the world was the uh, Everlasting Rest by Baxter. Second was his Bible. <laughs> and I didn't like that. You know? But then, as I got into the book and I saw how it was just full of Scripture, <laughs> and this little fella, he died that year. He was getting ready for the next world. And I guess it was all right for him to love that book so much. It was just so, so glorious in depicting... The walk with the Lord. How How is your walk with the Lord now compared to a year ago or two years ago? Are you any closer to the Lord than you were then? Are you getting anybody saved this year? Did anybody Did anybody get an unbelievably great and, I mean, a serious and a real loving, compassionate witness from you this year? Maybe they didn't get saved. But... Uh, do, do, they, do they remember you came by? It was a delight last night as we went out and Pastor Hammonds and I were able to go and he took us to one group of houses and we just didn't have any success there. And Brother Estes and his boy were out with us. And so we got back into our car and Pastor Hammonds had stalked these two places out and got concerned about it. And then we went to another place just down the street. We'd been there many years ago. I haven't been there in a long time. And um, there was this, we went to a number of homes and some were very uninterested, sorry to say, to be so poor. (laughs) Really, very uninterested for poor people. But we came to one lady's house and and, um, she said that she said that she was having trouble. She was uh, having pains in her chest or something like that. And I said, well, that's what happens when you get, you have a heart attack and die, you know. (laughs) and uh and um so she invited us in the house and she was all by herself there and lonely and discouraged and defeated and uh, i mean nervous as could be the woman was so nervous as i was going through the scripture with her i just figured just let her be nervous sinners are supposed to be nervous i mean she was a nervous wreck and i asked her a couple questions she said i forgot already i said that's all right we'll go over it again you know, what's the big hurry, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then then she finally, she got down on her knees with us and prayed and prayed a simple prayer and said, I don't know what else to pray or something after she prayed. And then I prayed and then she prayed along with me as I was praying for her. And then Pastor Hammonds prayed and I think she prayed along with him a little bit too. And, uh, but she, she seemed like she quit her nervousness. She seemed to have a little peace afterwards. And uh, she didn't think anybody cared about it, but Jesus did. We told her that. I said, some people think nobody cares about it. She said, that's about me. I don't know if anybody really loves me. 
I, thought, I said, I'm thankful that I don't have that problem. I said, I got a lot of people I think love me. I got some others don't like me too well. But, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of nice. I was going down just about 4 o'clock. I was going right past her house, Pastor Hammonds. And there she was out there on the bus. She was honest with us. She said she didn't have transportation. She was out there at the bus stop. And I don't know if I, I wasn't able to get my horn. And yet she saw me, and she waved right at me. She, she saw me, and she was so happy to see see me driving by. Isn't that wonderful? And so we got to have our ladies go by and help her out. And she works over at Darnell. Probably Brother Estes if he can get over and see her. She just does cleaning over there. But uh, there's a lot of people out there that just need somebody to just take them to Jesus. Once they get to Jesus, they'll be all right. He knows what to do with them. We may not be as loving as we ought to be, but He will be. He'll nurture them. He knows how to take care of those He saves and to encourage them when they're down. And so He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask and think. Well, I want to give you a number of things. I'm sure we'll get into some Scripture, but I want to just uh, give you a number of things tonight. Are you regularly taking inventory in your life? Pastor Eborn. My favorite pastor now has a large Christian radio ministry, Fundamental Broadcasting Network. He has almost probably 20 now, either, uh, what do they call them, translators or stations all across America, up in the Dakotas, down in Florida, all over the place. And it took them 13 years to get their radio station. 13 years! And they had the money. <laughs> they raised the money and still it didn't work out. But after that 13 years, things business picked up, friends. And they're really being used of God. But Pastor Ebron always said, you've got to check up and find out where you are. If you're on a bus ministry, check up on your bus ministry. If you are reading your Bible regularly, find out if you're, you're getting anything in, out of your Bible reading. What about your family altar? Take inventory on your Christian life. I'm so prone to forget this myself. So this is not just for you, this is for me. If we were closer to the Lord and sensed His presence in a greater way years ago, shame on me. Shame on us. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is still there to cause us to be just like a baby Christian, just walking in the light, happy in the Lord. It's not time to be in the Lord so long that now it's time we've got to really get down to the real grind of... No. Read Richard Baxter's book. And that of all, read the book. The book. Spend time in the book. All right? This, let me say this. Number two is take inventory about... Uh, are you as mission-minded as you were a year ago or a couple years ago? Do you care about missions? Do you pray for missionaries? Do you give of your means to help missionaries along the way, to help those who are getting the gospel out, whether they're at home or abroad? I just read a thing today of the uh, Paul Levine gospel literature, and they put out almost 7 million tracts free of charge this year. That's a lot of tracks, friends. 
I mean, not everybody can be as big as Fellowship Track League, and they, they'll send two, $2 million here and $3 million there and $4 million there. But I'm telling you, think of the Paul Levine, the new birth track that brought Dr. Jim Roach to Christ and how many others. And they're, and they're in all these countries. They're, sending out, uh, they're going to send them to the Philippine Islands. The, uh, a big number of these uh, new birth tracks. They need money. And they can get them printed real cheap, real cheaply at this time. Are you concerned about the printed page, missions? And then, taking inventory, you need, to, you need to learn to repent. See, that's our great problem. In the, look at the seven churches in Asia Minor for a moment. Look at a Revelation, the Revelation. Not Revelations, it's one Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And look at the uh, first couple chapters there. And you'll see these different churches in chapter 2. Here it tells us some things. Now, if we're going to be the right kind of a Christian, we need to take inventory. And in chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, what does it say? Church at Ephesus, verse 2 says in chapter 2 of Revelation, uh, in verse 2, I know thy works. And then what does he say in verse 7? He says, remember... Therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. We need to remember and repent. Remember where God found us. He found us in sin. He found us distressed like the lady we talked to. He found us discouraged. He found us in, in all kinds of, of uh, sins and uh, just a terrible condition. By the way, in that wonderful book by Richard Baxter, boy, he paints, you know what? When you, when you paint heaven so beautiful and you're, you're being in the presence of the Lord so glorious, it also paints the picture of man in real total depravity and far from God. And he even said something that I read just this afternoon. He said, I think heaven is so wonderful and so glorious, he didn't say it in that way, but he did it so much better than I could. But he said, I think percentage-wise, it's going to be unbelievably greater in joy even than those who are going to be in great torment in hell. He said, the, the greatness of being with the, with the Lord of glory even in opposites, is even going to be greater than those and their torment in the flames of hell. Everything, everything about God is glorious, isn't it? Just His presence. and uh, You know, you think of that song, I walk with the King, hallelujah. I walk with the King, praise His name. No longer I roam, my soul faces home. I walk and I talk with the King. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear. And he walks with me and he talks with me and tells me I am his own. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. Just remember His greatness. He took us out of despair and He's taking us to glory. 
where there is no despair. Constant delight. Joy, unspeakable, the Bible says, and full of glory. Abounding love, abounding grace. And it's not that we love the Lord, it's that He loved us. Gave His Son. We love Him because He first loved us. We need to remember Him and think of Him and and walk with Him and talk with Him. How is your walk with the Lord this year at this time compared to last year or a couple years ago? God hasn't gone anywhere. His book is still here. His presence is still available. His joy is still your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're weak, you're a very discouraged person. I've said for years it's a sin to be discouraged, but it's a terrible sin, terrible sin to stay discouraged when we have Christ in our heart. Our sins are gone and heaven is our home. So how are we doing in our walk with the Lord? Are we closer to the Lord now than we were six months ago or a year ago or two years ago or five years ago? Do we know the Bible any better now than we did a year ago? Have we acquired, it says, but grow in grace and knowledge. Some people, all they want to do is grow in grace and feel good. Well, that's a good idea. That's better than feeling bad. Amen? And some people, all they want to do is grow in knowledge and they don't want to grow in grace. They just want to learn and learn, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They just constantly, all they, their emphasis is, is that I, I have a quest for knowledge. Well, you ought to want to know all you can about His Word and about His person, about His power, about His, His, His attributes, about His glory. And yet we need both. We need a balance. Do you know anything more? Do your children know any more about the Bible now than they did a year ago? Do your, does your wife know anything more about the Bible than she did a year ago? I mean, the women have a lot of domestic things to take care of, but they ought to be growing in knowledge too a little bit. Ought to be learning a little bit. Amen? They ought to be reading their Bible. If they're not in touch with the Lord like they ought to be, they'll be dragging us down, fellas. Right? They better walk with the Lord. So it says what? Remember, and then it says what? Therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works. Mm. Just remember and repent. Then it says watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. We should be on watch all the time. We should be, we should be vigilant, sober, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says we'll give account for every idle word. Every non-productive word. That which is idle is non-productive. And so, we'll give account for every idle word. What are, what are you talking about? Are you talking about how, how good God has been to you? How the Lord's provided for you? 
how the Lord has guided you, how He's blessed you, what He's done here and what He's done there? Are you as excited about the church that you were a year or two or three or four ago as you were when you came here? God hasn't changed. If you were praying that the messages would be more glorious, maybe they would be. And if you don't, they just maybe be old, old, old homespun, just average, average sermons. Well, God, the Holy Ghost, He is not average. And He can do something in your soul. I remember going when I, as a baby Christian, and I'd go to the church, and the pastor, he'd be preaching on Revelation. He went right through the Revelation. It took forever. I didn't think he'd ever get out of there. And I didn't even agree with half of what he was saying anyhow. He, was, he thought of these seven churches were seven periods of time, and the Holy Ghost said, no, that's not right. But you know what I did? Did I just sit there and gripe and complain and say, I wish he'd get on with business? No, while he was doing that, because I wasn't getting anything, I'd be reading my Bible. And I was getting things. God was giving me things, because I, I just wasn't getting much. It's your attitude, friends. Come for a blessing and you'll get one. Come to find fault. I, I thought we ought to start a group in our church in the near future, if not today, of Fault Finders Anonymous. Because everybody wants to be anonymous. But some are terrible fault finders. There's another danger also. I was thinking about this. There's a real danger as we seek to be as pure as we can be for the Lord. Now, I believe that's right. Well, you ought to read this Richard Baxter's book. I never heard so much talk about holiness. And I mean holiness and purity of life. And you know what it reminds me about? Is that we need to, we need to be uh, reading the best books, not just average books about the Bible. But fault finders, you know. Fault finders. We've got to, you know, you, you, you can find something right or you can find something wrong. You can, you can get a blessing or, or, or lose it all. I mean, why, you know, there, there are some people, and what they do is, is they get in, here's, your, your place in, in life should not determine your enthusiasm. You should control your circumstances. Because the Christ in you is God. And so I remember we had some dear people. Some of you remember them. And they, this is a sad thing. Both parents were Christians. Hill, brother uh, Keith Hill. How many remember Keith Hill? Anybody remember Keith Hill? Few, very few. <laughs> Keith Hill and Sharon. Remember Keith and Sharon? And you know what? He volunteered for the special forces. He just didn't like Fort Hood. Now, what kind of a Christian with anything up above their shoulders who, who have Christian parents on both sides, on her side, Sister Sharon Hill's side, and Brother Keith's side, that's about the only ones I've ever met where both sides, both families, were both Christians on both sides, and they're both all living for the Lord. I can't hardly find those today, not at Fort Hood. And he volunteered for everything, trying to get out of here. And he, his wife had a degree from Pensacola Christian, and she was teaching down there. And I, I think it was noble. He, he was working in the print shop there, but it was noble. He didn't want his wife to work, secular work. And I, I think that's noble. 
But before he left here, he volunteered for everything, and every, nothing worked. Then finally he got transferred. But, you know, don't let your circumstances control you. You control your circumstances. You can say, I can't stand this heat at Fort Hood. I can't grow anything here. Well, grow your children. And, and grow your soul. And there's a whole fort. This is the largest in the world. And for anybody to gripe about an opportunity to win souls when they're sitting at the doorstep of the greatest adult mission field anywhere in all the world is the military. Your eye, you need some new spiritual eyeglasses. You need to wake up. God will put you someplace down in some little podunk hollow place and then you look back and say, why didn't I serve God like I should have at Fort Hood? Why wasn't I excited about soul winning at Fort Hood? You say, well, there's people like that lady you dealt with last night all over the place, all over. Well, yes, you still have to go out and go, go out and try to reach them, though. You have to pray the Lord will show them to you. You just check with Brother Medcalf. Very few churches, a lot of churches don't even have visitation at all anymore, do they? These are independent Baptist churches. They don't have any visitation at all. See, and here I am encouraging Pastor McBaney to have twice a week. Amen? And if I get the notion of it, I'll just encourage him to have it three times a week. Because he's got to build his church up over there. He's going to be building his church up. I mean, to tell you the truth, and, I'm, and I think he studies well, and I think that's the way to do it. Amen? He studies and prays, and that's what he ought to do. And, uh, I, in fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to mention about him a little bit later in, the, in regard to the family. I went over and took a check over to him yesterday and because he, he's going to be taking a trip and he doesn't know if he's going to have enough money because he's changing missions to our mission. And I went over there, and here he is playing football with his kids in the backyard. Well, he's got a regular football team there. <laughs> I mean, the oldest girl, Rachel, and then the other one, boy, Rachel, she was just, her face was just red. I mean, I, and I just said, well, here's the check, brother. You just get back to your game. Those kids, though, the one kid, he comes around, grabs me by the, grabs me around my leg. And listen, some of your kids ought to act a little bit more loving. Then they were all, oh, it's Pastor Harvey. Oh, just, just a bunch of Nazis kids, you know, all excited about it. I know they've been over there for seven years over in Germany, and they were seeing everybody go and come and everything. But they were just so excited to see me all just gathered around, and especially the little guy grabbed my leg, you know, and just, just loving kids. And then before I, I went and got back in my car, I just stayed a couple minutes, and there I was on the side there getting in my car. There they all are on the corner there by their new fence. Ah, they're all waving at me. And I said, well, that's, that's almost like... Uh, Joe, uh, my son-in-law Joe grabbed and all the kids are out there and I'm, I go like this now and I'm, ah. <laughs> Grandpa, I might as well act like they're acting. I'm telling you, you, you could be loving though. I, I, want, I wonder if maybe, maybe they don't have a, 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 good, a good spirit around their house. Maybe mom and daddy get along a little bit. Huh? And they think it's a nice idea to love brothers and sisters. Well, some families, all I hear about is the, the way they mistreat each other. How nasty they are to each other. Well, anyhow, 
But I'm saying, you know, uh, for in his situation right now, he might do good to just, uh, until his church gets built up, just go out every day. But he needs to be cautious there that he goes with someone else because it's dangerous out there in these days. I was delighted to see him playing with his kids back there. I said, good, get back at it. Those kids will have something to remember when they get older. Well, are you closer to the Lord? Oh, and then look at that verse. I've got to show you this one. In, we're still in the Revelation there. Look at verse 11 of chapter 2. Revelation 2, verse 11. He that over The last part. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And then, look what it says over here in verse 17. 17, it says, And he, uh, to him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the hidden man, and I will give him a white stone. That was even mentioned in Richard Baxter's book. Just the first little chapter. I haven't read a little part of it. A new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. If you repent, you remember and you repent, you need to ask the Lord to help you to be an overcomer. Not that you'd be overcome, but that you would be an overcomer. Prairie Bible Institute, years ago up in Canada, they used to call it the Prairie Overcomer. The Overcomer. I thought, that's a good name. We're to overcome. We're to be on the victory side. Are we winning and seeking to win the lost as much as we were a year ago? What does the Bible say? As the Father hath sent me, Jesus said, even so send I you. Andrew first findeth his own brother Simon and brought him to Jesus. Philip findeth Nathaniel. Wasn't it Jesus that found Philip? I don't know. Who are you finding lately? I think Andrew's pretty glad he found Peter. Found Simon, his bro- old, probably his older and bigger brother. Maybe not. Maybe he was older. Maybe Andrew was older. I don't know. But I know one thing. He brought his brother to Jesus. And they both became part of the twelve apostles. Peter and Andrew. They were fishermen that knew James and John. Who knows but that they didn't get down to business and go get James and John. I know one thing. Peter and Andrew and James and John were all four fishermen. They were partners together, kind of. They got their both their ships out there. Remember at the beginning and both their ships started to sink? When Jesus was calling them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You're not following Jesus properly, sir, if you're not trying to find sinners. You need to be finding someone that's obedience to the Great Commission from our Commander-in-Chief who said, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. You ought to be finding someone and giving them the Gospel. If you don't know how to do it too well, get you some of these Gospel tracts and just stick your arm out. You say, I wouldn't even know how to give gospel tracts out. It's not very difficult. I've been doing it for 40 years now. And all you do, just act like an idiot. No, I mean, just just go like this, and somebody will take them. 
Most people will take them. Now, you got to kind of get in the way of them. You know what I'm talking about. But I just go like this. I usually say, here's something from the Holy Bible. But you don't have to say anything. They'll take it. They know you're out there trying to give them something. And they may read that sermon there and get saved. I think we ought to be doing something for our Lord. Amen? We are so concerned, and we should be, about how we look on the outside. But we need to realize God is looking on the inside. And when God's Holy Spirit is prompting you to witness to people or to go out on our Saturday or our Tuesday night soul winning, you need to listen to the Lord. And you need to have enough wisdom to know if you could go and you don't go, you're not right with God. And there's no exception to that rule. For you would not want to be a part of a church that did not have an emphasis on leading souls to Christ. I am tired of some of these people in the last 15 years who've been here and they figure that we don't do it the right way, Brother Julian. But uh, within a year or less than that after they leave us, they're not doing it at all. So I like my way better. To tell you the truth, if you do it all wrong and you're doing it, God will bless it anyhow. Because God will bless His Word. And there's no soul winning classes in the Bible. You know what the soul winning class is in the Bible? Follow me, Jesus said. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So if you're following Jesus in your walk with God and you're listening to the Lord, you will be a fisher of men because Jesus is fishing for souls. And He's now up in heaven. His Holy Spirit lives in you and He will make you a soul winner if you allow Him to live His life through you. He's the great soul fisherman. He's the great soul winner. Christ. Right? And He prompts you sometimes to talk to that person, that, that one at work, or this one or that one. Amen? Oh, I, I forgot what I was going to get in. You know, we've got this today, and I, I still think the Lord wants us to bring this up. Now, you please, you, you better love me even if you don't agree with me. This aestheticism and this being uh, in a monastery, a bunch of monks, is not biblical. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And we need to be cautious about this. We need to be cautious about this. Now, I kind of think I kind of think that it was good to see Luke out there last night. And the, the thing I like about Luke being out there with his daddy last night is the fact that probably the other kids will in the future be out there with their daddy or mama. Okay? Uh, some people have almost had this idea that after a child is about 18 years old and you've sheltered this child, to tell you the truth, uh, Luke, he may get into some houses that things are a little, a little rough. But I'm telling you, he's on the right side of the thing. He's on the side of the gospel. And I, I want you to know something. I've seen some of these people, and they are protecting their child to a, an extreme that is not good. 
It is not good if we, we do not encourage soul winning because we're so afraid our boy's going to hear some bad music. Well, you have to hear it too, sir. You're going to reach him. Now, I to encourage him, please turn that TV off. One fellow, he says, he will not go into a house. He will, or other John Winstead, years ago, he said, I will not compete with the television set. He said, what I do is I ask him, is this your favorite program? If it is, you might as well go home, he said. He says, I'll come back later. He said, another thing you can do is stand right over there and talk real quietly. Then they'll go and turn it down or off. Or you can just ask him. I just say, sir, uh, would you turn that off? Or ma'am, would you please turn that off? Now, the lady we dealt with last night, she just turned it way down. But it would have been better if we really got it would have get, get it off because I don't know that it, it, it was kind of, I didn't see it at all. It was over there, but she, you know, it could have distracted her a little bit, even though she turned all the volume down. It was all the way down. But you say, well, I won't deal with somebody. Uh, but John Winston, he said, I will not deal with a person in the house with a TV, and I will not compete with it. I'm there to give the gospel. He said, I just come back. I'll come back at another time. When you're not so... And then he said, go back. Make an appointment. And go back. Well, I'll tell you what. This idea that I'm going to get out in the middle of somewhere, in the middle of nowhere somewhere, and I'm going to become uh, like a monk, and I'm going to save my kids and let the whole world go to hell. It's not right! I said it's not right! And I knew some in Bible college like that. It's not good. Now, you need to protect your children, generally speaking, about everything, all the time. But not at the expense of going soul winning or giving tracks out. Now, don't let them go out by themselves. By the brother here, he, he went one time. I went with Luke, and, and his daddy was there. If you want to go and make sure your boy is, is in, your, in your group, there, that's all right. But man alive, get him. A, he's going to have to be doing what you're doing one of these days, sir. And don't expect when he's 16 and 18, all of a sudden he's going to blossom into a great soul winner. He will not. Train him up in it. You say, well, I know others and their, their boys went wrong. Yes, well, I know some in the Bible that went wrong. Samuel was a great man of God and his two sons took bribes. But my Bible has an answer in 18 of, of Ezekiel. The son shall not die... Uh, bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son, the soul that sinneth it shall die. And I want you to know something, parents. You can't get saved for your boy. You can't get saved for your girl. You say, well, my kids are all going to end up and they're going to be great giants for God. Well, I hope they do. I hope they do. But it will be very strange if you have 8 or 10 or 15 kids and they all end up like giants for God. It would be very unusual. You can't get saved for them. You can't, you can't get the call of God for them to preach the gospel or be missionaries. You can pray for them, but you cannot call them nor save them. But you can pray for them. And you can guide them. And you can protect them from all kinds of evil, which you ought to do. You know what we believe around here. But don't let it go to the extreme where you don't even go out soul winning with your kids. I tell you what, I'm going to correct these people that come by like that. I don't care if they, if you think they're the greatest giants in the world, I still say they're wrong. I still say they're wrong because these young fellas. See, Nathan here just got saved. Well, were you ever soul winning before you ever got saved? Huh? He doesn't even know what soul winning is. 
very much. He went out one time, didn't he? Once or twice. Maybe not at all. Are you with me? But if you're brought up in the church, you know what I'm talking about? Even if he got, what, are you 17? 17. Well, even if he was brought up in the church and he just got saved at 17, he should have already preached a couple sermons. You said you let an unsaved person preach? Yes, when they're little boys, absolutely. Oh, I wouldn't do that. No, you wouldn't let them tithe either, would you? You wouldn't let them read their Bible either or read at the family devotions or pray at the table to a God they really aren't, don't know yet. I like what Bill Weingart said. He said, you can go to our Christian school and not be saved, but you're going to act like you're saved until you get saved. You get what I mean? That's the way to look at it. Well, are we growing? Are we concerned about the lost? Have you, hey, did you, a, a year or two ago, did you have a greater burden for lost people than you do this year? Were you out soul winning better years ago? Were you, were you uh, giving of your time and your effort and your finances more in other days than now? That's another one I had down here. Are you giving, let's get this now, get this. Are you giving percentage wise? Because some of you could lose your job. Are you with me? Are you giving percentage-wise? I mean, if you're on unemployment, you still ought to tithe. We, we teach that the little ladies on Social Security, they should tithe. And many of them do. And, they, and their little tithes, when you add up all the little widows in the church, in some big churches, it adds up to probably quite a bit. To help the work of God. At least it pays for the envelopes. <laughs> Amen? or pays for some lights, or pays for the pastor's salary a little, or something, pays for some gas and the buses to go get others. Percentage-wise, with the work you have, and the employment, and the income you have, are you giving percentage-wise as much or more as you used to? Which does reflect your love for Christ, and your love for the Gospel. Are you doing that? Are you helping poor people? The Bible says, Jesus said, the poor, uh, they said, the poor have ye with ye always. But what? He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Now, in my earlier days, I didn't even think about the Salvation Army because I was so involved with giving to my church. But I, I even consider them at times around Christmas time. I don't know. I think it'd be probably as good to give to the Salvation Army a little bit. I'm not talking about a lot. Most of your giving, I think, ought to go to the church where you know where every penny's going. But honestly, tell you the truth, if you if you give a little bit to the Salvation Army, then they're careful to some degree on how they give it out. They they don't let them go out and booze it up with it. I don't know if the Red Cross. They're, They'd probably pay for some of the booze with the Red Cross. Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but at least the Salvation Army, they stood against that. Per, uh, someone said in a certain place, they stood against perversion and stuff like that. So I don't know. And by the way, they have Salvation Army churches. And they, they, they're the old Methodist crowd that believed in holiness. And William Booth was some preacher. They, they believe something. I know they're not all they ought to be, but uh, if you're not able to help the poor at all, or very little because you're not in contact with the poor, it wouldn't hurt you to do a little bit. Because he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. I think we ought to consider the poor. 
Are we doing as much for the poor this year as we did five and ten years ago or a year ago? Or are we getting, are we getting proud now? And, well, now I know that they'll use it on alcohol and they'll do this and they'll do that. Well, then just take them down for some, go get them some groceries at the grocery store. Or go and pay their, pay their phone bill or pay their, uh, or not their phone bill, that's a, that's, they don't have to have a phone, but they have to have heat and lights and water bill. Go and, go down and, if you don't want to make, if you want to make sure it doesn't, you know, go for alcohol and the wrong things, then, you know, go by and help them. But the, the truth of the matter is, sir, it is, the poor is your responsibility. The poor is this church's responsibility. You can spend all your time saying, well, they're all a bunch of liars and they're not, they're not going to use it right and then you'll end up doing nothing if you're not careful. Because there's too many of them that don't use it right. <laughs> and you didn't use it right either when you were a sinner. Some of you. Amen? Just try to make sure that you don't Give money so they can get more alcohol and get in the worst condition and kill themselves. Just use wisdom, but care for the poor. Well, I think I'm down the last one. Would you believe it? Just a couple minutes after eight. It's pretty early yet. Are we seeing our families grow? Are we seeing our families grow in the Lord? What about the attitude of your young boy or your young girl? What about your own attitude? How's your attitude toward the Lord? Do you really love the Lord? We love Him. Because what? He's preparing us a mansion in the sky. We love Him because He took us out of our sin. He loved us when we were so ugly. I'm telling you, Pugly is still ugly. But so were we ugly. But thank God He put and made us beautiful. The Lord has made us beautiful in Him. I, once in a while I see people in the... I saw one of the ladies in the church just yesterday. And I'm glad when I saw her in her vehicle that she wasn't all discouraged and despondent and thinking the whole world was coming to an end by the expression on her face. And she's smiling now, so that you're in good, good condition. Anyhow, all right. But isn't it just good to be saved and know our sins are gone and heaven's our home? And, and you may be having all kinds of problems, but someone else has more problems than you. You know, someone's on their deathbed right now, gasping for their last breath. We met one in the hospital the other day. I was over there. Bethany was getting her toe worked on, getting her ingrown toenail straightened around. So when a, husband, a man gets her, if anybody will have her, uh, then she won't have to take care of that. And uh, there was a man up there, and I gave him a gospel track right by the elevator there. And I said, uh, seemed like you're having trouble. He was gasping for breath. And then he talked to his daughter there, and he said, you ought to see those x-rays. How were the x-rays? And she, he said, they were awful. They were awful x-rays. So I just told him, I said, well, you better trust Christ. Here's something from the Bible. He said, I will be needing that real soon. Couldn't hardly breathe. So, just somebody, you can find somebody, they're getting ready to die. 
You can find somebody. You don't have to walk but a half a block on your street or around the block and you'll find someone's home busting up. Or at work, you'll find all kinds of them getting ready to leave each other and some of them wanting to kill themselves because their mate, husband, or wife just thought it wasn't too good to hang on and do right. You don't have to walk far to find somebody. Now, I haven't found too many quite as bad as that dear lady last night, but they're out there too. You know, we used to have, I, maybe they don't publicize it, but we used to have a lot of people in the summertime over here drop dead from the heat. And then at, at vacation times, a lot of these fellows were blowing their brains out around here. I don't hear about it too much anymore. I don't hear a lot of it. I'm glad I don't. I hope it's not happening. But there are some people that want to t they're getting ready to take their own life right now. And we need to be there for them. You heard that little illustration? It's true. This person went to a door, knocked on the door, knocked. I don't know. They just felt impressed. They just kept on knocking and kept on knocking. Kept on knocking. Finally, a man came down to the door. And... He showed him how to be saved. And he said, the man said, I was up on a chair up in the attic and I was going to hang myself. And you kept knocking on the door. You wouldn't quit knocking on the door. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there who don't think life's worth living. But oh, if they had Jesus, it'd be all right, wouldn't it? But see, you've got to be there for them. You've got to keep knocking. Kind of keep going. Kind of keep doing what's right. If nothing seems to work, you just keep working it. And everything will work out. You just got to keep on. Isn't it Abraham Lincoln who lost and failed at about everything? J.C. Penney about failed at everything too. And finally, Lincoln went to the presidency from his little log cabin. <laughs> He's a lawyer. He got beat at everything. J.C. Penney, he just kept trying and nothing working and finally it worked. And he tithed too. And Sam Walton was a Christian too. Supposed to have been. Walmart. He didn't have any alcohol in there when he was alive. I don't think he had any cigarettes in there when he was alive. Sam Walton, he wasn't open on Sunday when he was alive either. And what about here, H-E-B, Hermony Butts, is that it? Hermony Butts. And he closed the, you know, it's Wednesday night, you know. Back when Hermony Butts was around, every H-E-B store was closed on Wednesday so his people could go to midweek prayer service. You think they were open on Sunday? <laughs> Guess again. <laughs> he was a Christian. Now, so many of these, the money, 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 that's all I care about. Now, we need some good godly homes. But in the midst of our stand, we've got to be careful that we're not back here and we're always pointing our finger. If you're pointing your finger, you ought to be preaching or witnessing to somebody. Don't be fault-finding. Fault-finding. You'll get to the place where nobody can do it just as good as you. Is that right? No, let the Lord just 
let someone else get the glory for something. Say, oh, they do it all wrong. Well, at least they're doing. At least they're not trying to get out of a, a, a thing to work. Because a lot of people, all they want to do is get out of work. And even out of the Lord's work. There's, another, there's some others. They would say, give me something to do, preacher. Oh, I didn't switch over. I have one more. It's on the other page. Your prayer life. You spend any time in prayer. How much time do you spend? Do you spend as much time as you used to pray? By the way, how do you pray? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart in the last couple of weeks. And I was thinking, oh, I'm doing a lot of praying, but I'm not doing any praising. And I was saying, when I come into His presence, I need to just tell the Lord how great He is and how wonderful He is. Lord, I praise You for just saving me. Thank You, Lord, for being so good to me. And Your greatness. And just just let the Lord fill you up with His wonderful presence and His, His glory. Then you're in the position to pray and to ask. But may God help us in these areas. Father, we love Thee. Help us to take inventory. Help us to realize the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And Elijah prayed and it didn't even have dew, Lord. No rain, no dew for three and a half years. Then he prayed again. Heavens gave rain. Our Father, help us to realize that prayer is important. And our relationship, Lord, to Thee is very important. Help us in our walk and our talk. Dear Lord, we really didn't get into the tongue much, but oh God, the tongue is very important. Help me and help others to be careful what we say and how we say things. And to pray about everything we say. Everything comes out of our mouth to pray about it. And that we do more witnessing and praising Thee and praising others. And, and our tongues would be giving thanksgiving to Thee and to others. Instead of fault-finding, criticizing or murmuring, may we be finding that which is good to say. Help us, Lord.